Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. Father, we thank you for your word. And we also thank you for the spirit that makes it alive within each and every one of us. And also who enlarges our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and also godliness. As an act of our will, we yield ourselves to the teaching of your word by your spirit. That we may be doers of the word and not hearers only. That our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Beginning verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm reading to you from the Amplified Version. So it may be somewhat different if you're following along in the King James, but just follow as closely as you possibly can. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box as one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships. I subdue it. For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit and not stand the test and be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Do you ever notice as you read through the Bible that God very often refers to life as being an athletic event? He kind of compares life to sporting events or to games that people play. Do you ever notice that? Do you ever ask yourself why? I'd like to share with you some reasons I believe it will help us better understand how to win at the game of life this morning. And so I'd like to entitle our message, Winning the Game of Life. One reason why I really believe with all my heart that God compares life to a game or a sporting event is because He wants us to view life as being a contest that we either win or lose. He wants us to view life as being a contest that we either win or lose. You say, well, why? Well, something happens on the inside of an individual when that person knows he's in a contest. Did you know that? Something happens in the inward part of an individual when they recognize they're in a contest. Something triggers off inside them. I call it a winning desire. Everyone has built within them that desire to win. And when they see themselves in a contest, something triggers that off inside them and they have that desire to win ignited within them. It also causes their fires of enthusiasm to burn 
on the inside. I believe it also causes the adrenaline to begin to flow in that person's life. Why? Because no one was born to lose. Everyone was born to win and to be a success. Amen? And beloved, if that's true in the natural, how much more is it true in the supernatural or spiritual? God giving birth to us, I don't believe He gave birth to failures, but He wants people to be successful. Amen? Well, when you view life as being a contest, then as I said, ignited within is that desire to win. That fiery enthusiasm just just rises up on the inside because you want to win. That adrenaline begins to flow because you want to win. I recall personally when I was involved in athletics as a young person. Every time I found myself getting ready for a game, especially when I played football, I was on that field with a uniform on, and I became a different person. I found myself changing from this mild-mannered little boy to this crazed maniac (laughs) who did not want to fail, who had it on the inside to win. Something was ignited. The desire to win fiery enthusiasm, adrenaline began to flow on the inside of me. And you know what? No matter how good you can kick or how fast you can run or how well you can perform during practice sessions, when you got on that field and fully clothed with your equipment on and all that, it seemed like you can run faster, you can kick farther, you can, you can perform a whole lot better because you were engaged in battle. You knew it's going to take a whole lot more than just what you had in the natural. Something rose up big on the inside, and it happened all the time. Yes, you'd start off with butterflies, but once you got going, man, that adrenaline just took over and just lifted you to another sphere. If you know what I'm talking about. If you've been out there and you've been involved in it, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I still do that today. I, I just involve myself when I get involved with athletics or, you know, playing basketball or, or whatever. I just get caught up into another dimension. Something just takes place because you have a desire to win. Well, the same thing, beloved, is true with regard to life. I really believe that we've got to have a desire to win when it comes to life. I believe we need to have fiery enthusiasm when it comes to life. I believe that adrenaline has to flow when it comes to life. Because God does not want anyone to be a loser. He gave birth to us so that we can all be winners. The Apostle Paul, of course, I really believe, says this. It's just dripping all over him in this passage of Scripture. I'm not running this race to lose. I'm not in a fight, so I'm going to lose, and I don't face it like I want to lose. What did he do? He had a desire to win, a motivation to win. And so something deep from within got a hold of him and lifted him to another plane or another sphere of life. And he put forth all of his energies and efforts so as to win. Not one out there shadow boxing with somebody. Someone who realized he was in a real fight and he was going to win. Not someone who was just 
kind of jogging around a, a track somewhat, but someone who knew he had to apply himself because he wanted to obtain the prize. And there's only one winner. And he was going to win. So you can see that he was just dripping with that same kind of attitude. That winning desire, that fiery enthusiasm, that adrenaline beginning to flow in his own personal life. Now, secondly, I believe that God wants us to view life as being a contest, and He compares it to athletic events, because I believe He knows that we can then better understand the importance of learning the fundamentals of self-discipline and also being trained. You see, every athlete knows how important it is to learn the fundamentals. Every athlete knows how important it really is to be self-disciplined. Every athlete knows the importance of being trained properly and undergo dedicated training. Because no matter how good he is, he realizes that unless he understands the fundamentals, unless he is disciplined, unless he is well-trained, he is not going to perform to the best of his ability. You think in terms of long-distance running. And you know, our race of faith is a long-distance race. You've got to understand the fundamentals. You've got to to be self-disciplined because if you don't discipline yourself, no one's going to discipline you. You've got to be well-trained, properly trained and dedicated to training because if not, no matter how long you've been in the Lord, if you stop these important things in your life, you're going to fail. You're not going to be able to finish because you're not going to have enough endurance. Every long-distance runner knows that. You've got to build up that stamina. And it takes time. Beloved, we're in a long-distance race, not a short-distance one. We're not running the 100-yard dash or 100 meters. We're in a long-distance marathon when it comes to our Christianity and when it comes to life itself. We're on this earth for a period of time that, that is going to determine our eternal destiny. And what we do to understand the fundamentals and what we do to be self-disciplined and well-trained is going to determine whether or not we have enough within us to see our way through to the end and finish our course. And that's why he wants us to see life as being an athletic event, a contest that we're engaged in. Every athlete knows that you're not going to win unless you are willing to pay the price for victory. And that's why they take the time and effort and energy that they do to be well prepared. Now, I recall not too long ago an individual by the name of Mike Tyson who lost his heavyweight championship to James Buster Douglas. One might say, well, why did that happen? Seemingly, he was the better fighter. Well, it doesn't matter how good a person is. If a person is not well trained, if a person is not self-disciplined, if a person forgets about those fundamental principles, then it, and the other person has a zeal to win, and the other person puts forth the effort to, to be well-trained and self-disciplined and practices going over those fundamentals over and over and over again, the other person is going to be in a better place to rise up to a place of victory. And that's exactly what happened. You know, pride goes before a fall, haughty spirit before a fall, pride before destruction. 
And you'll find out that no matter how good a person is, if they'll allow themselves to get caught up in a haughty spirit and pride, they are going to fall. And that's exactly what happened. He fell not because the other person was necessarily better or had better potential, but he was better prepared, not only physically, but also mentally, emotionally, to fight that fight. And that's what Paul was talking about. I can tell all these people about Jesus. I can show to them the way of life. But even though I've preached the same gospel message to all these people and they're walking in it, I myself can become a castaway if I don't remember the fundamentals. If I neglect self-discipline. And if I fail to remain well-trained. See, those athletes have to stay in training, beloved, because you know as well as I do, the human body just doesn't stay that way on its own accord. It will always fall back to a lesser state if you don't do anything to maintain your well-trained state. On the other hand, I realized that just recently a fellow by the name of uh, Magic Johnson, I don't know if you heard of him, but he led the Lakers to a Western Division championship once again. But now notice this. They had him highlighted as being one, even though he has probably shot thousands of free throws from the foul line, who would go out there two hours before the game and just shoot one after another, 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 after another. I remember playing ball with my son Jason one time. Matter of fact, this is when he was on the team during the season. And I said, son, why don't you go out there and practice some of your foul shots? He says, dad, I can shoot them. I said, well, son, I know that you can make it. I said, but once you go out there and practice some. He says, why? I know how to get it in. And I said, well, to myself, one day he is going to grow up and realize that even though he can make it, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the best that he can possibly be unless he gets out there and practices. Now, I, I said, here's a Larry Bird and here's a Magic Johnson, and they're out there and they're just shooting these foul shots before the games and all that hours upon end. hundred of them at a time. But thank God my little Jason doesn't have to practice. He can just get them in there all, you know, as, he, as he wants to. <laughs> I tried to get, give him the analogy and, you know, make the comparison, but it just didn't dawn on him yet. And I believe that one day he's going to wake up and see that the more you practice, the better you're going to be. Well, beloved, the same thing holds true with regard to life. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. And let me state this while you're turning there. When it comes to life, we also have to learn the fund- fundamentals, beloved. Because there are certain fundamentals that will enable us to achieve success. We have to be self-disciplined and we have to be well-trained. Just as athletes have to be, so do we because we are in the game of life. And the prize that we are striving for is a whole lot bigger and better than a Stanley Cup. Or the Olympic gold. Or a Super Bowl ring. Or the NBA championship. Or the heavyweight title of the world. We're striving for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and the crown of life. That's what we're striving for. That should be our aim and goal in life. To be successful, we have to understand the fundamentals. To be successful, we have to be self-disciplined. To be successful, we must be well-trained. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 3 from the Amplified Bible. Those of you that have graduated, this will help you, especially from high school. I'll tell you what, it'll help all of us. 
through skillful and godly wisdom is a house or a life or a home, a family or an enterprise built. By understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. These are fundamentals. And by knowledge, or by remaining abreast of the fact, shall the chambers of its every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In other words, there's no substitute for wise planning when it comes to being successful in life. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be a wise person, then you must have the fear of the Lord in your life. And that is the beginning of wise planning. Secondly, when it comes to the fundamentals, there is no substitute for having common sense. Understanding. Understanding is insight into facts of knowledge. Maybe you just graduated from high school, or you're the one that graduated from college, or even a Rhema Bible training center. That doesn't necessarily guarantee your success in your future endeavors. To be successful, we must have the facts, which is knowledge, part of the fundamentals. We must also have understanding, common sense, ability to look into those facts with understanding, perceiving them accurately, and then wisdom... Wise planning is the ability to use those facts of knowledge to your gain so that you can take all that knowledge that was imparted to you and apply it to your life in a practical way so that you can be successful in life. And there's no substitute for that. We can make a lot of mistakes in life unless we are self-disciplined and unless we are well-trained. Now, I don't know about you, but I was not self-disciplined in high school. I did not care to study. It wasn't one of my major things in high school. I was, in high school, an athlete. But if I were to go back right now, I know things would change. I was well-disciplined, and I was self-disciplined, and I was well-trained, but it wasn't with this regard. It was with regard to athletic events, sporting events, which is why it became much more difficult for me afterwards. But I thank God for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and that just enables us to, to do what God would have us to do successfully. There's no substitute for these things in life. And there's no substitute for developing character, beloved, through self-discipline and being well-trained. All this, if you put it all together, spells out fundamentals that will help us to be successful in life. For you can have all kinds of knowledge, but if you don't underst have understanding and, and wisdom, you can lose your shirt. You can be a, a defeated person. I mean, I'm thinking of someone right now who, who is very intelligent, who, who had all kinds of knowledge, but because he could not cope with life and didn't have what it would take on the inside, he ended up in a mental institution. Defeated in life. I believe he didn't have to be, but the fundamentals, you know, were forgotten. Another reason why I believe that God would have us to view life as being a contest is because he understands the winning spirit factor. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give an example. In athletics, 
there is what is called the momentum factor. I don't know if you know about that. I liken that unto that winning spirit factor. For an example, you take a team such as the Minnesota North Stars. Here we have a, an average team who played below 50, you know, 500% below throughout the, enti- throughout the entire year. All of a sudden, they make it into the playoffs. Once they get into the playoffs, what takes place? Something happens. They pick up what is called momentum. There is a whole change. The whole aura aura changes about them. The persona entirely changes. All of a sudden, they actually start believing in themselves. All of a sudden, this momentum swings their way. They, they, They achieve or obtain this winning spirit, and they begin to play far above their capabilities, above their heads. And in the playoffs, everyone they faced, they just destroyed them. Game after game after game after game. And, and, you know, I mean, everybody's out there saying, how can they do this? Every good coach realizes, recognizes, and knows the importance of having a winning spirit and momentum plays in success. Well, that's exactly what took place in them and in their lives. And it almost took them all the way. The Cinderella team that almost went all the way to the Stanley Cup. But how did they almost achieve that? It was through having this winning spirit and this momentum that shifted their way in their lives that more or less lifted them or elevated to them, uh, them to a, a higher place of productivity. Well, beloved, the same thing is true when it comes to life's game. I believe that there is in each and every one of our lives that same winning spirit. And I believe that God wants to stir that up on the inside of each and every one of us as a good coach would to His so as to produce within us belief that we can win the game of life. Bud Wilkinson, who was one of the great coaches of Oklahoma Sooners, said that the most important thing in his program was this. He believed in his men, and he instilled within their hearts belief that they could be successful. And he said, somehow, when we went out there on that football field, that gridiron, we even had the other teams believing that we would win the game. And it was almost as if they were defeated before they ever got on the field, and the Oklahoma team, they were winners before they ever got on the field. Because they walked around as winners. They had that momentum. They had that winning spirit about them. And as a result, it affected their lives in a positive way and the lives of others in a negative way. Well, beloved, in life's game, you know who who is our coach? See, every good coach knows how to stir that up in his players. See, the secret is, as I said, getting them to believe Believing in them and getting them to believe that they can do it. Jesus is our coach in the game of life. Jesus is our captain in the game of life. And beloved, Jesus believes in each and every one of us. High school graduates, Jesus believes in you. College graduates, Jesus believes in you. Rhema graduates, Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in each and every one of us to such an extent that He died for every single one of us. 
He believed that we would respond to His love. He believed that we would hook up with Him. See the strong belief that Jesus has? Now notice this. As a good coach, as a great captain, what is He doing in the Word of God, in the pages of God's holy written Word? He is instilling within our lives the belief that through Him we also are winners and that we can win in the game of life and that we don't have to be defeated. As a great coach, as I said, would speak to his players, putting that belief within their hearts that they can win. So Jesus speaks. I remember one time where an individual came to him who had a terrible problem with his his son, who was demon-possessed. But listen to the words of Jesus as he finally reached this man's heart. I believe it not only affected that man right then when his child was delivered from that demon influence, but beloved, I believe it affected him throughout the rest of his life. I believe he believed not only in Jesus and his love for him, but also he believed in his ability to be a winner in life's game. You know what Jesus told him? All things are possible to him that believeth. You think you can't do it? All things are possible. You graduate, you think you can't make college, you think you can, you'll never know what to do with your career. I'm going to tell you something. You can do it. He instills belief within the heart. You can do it. You can be a winner. I'm going to provide the way for success. You just look to me. You can be a winner. You'll be successful. You're not going to lose life's fight. You're not going to lose the game of life. You are a winner. Beloved, can you see this? I really believe that if we would take this in every area of life, it would be effective in doing something within. I believe it will be effective in, in stirring up the desire to win when it comes to marriage. I'm talking about fiery enthusiasm that my marriage will not be destroyed. When it comes to anything, your financial status, when it comes to your family unity, whatever it is in life, whatever area of life, Jesus talked about laying a good foundation for your life. He's talking about the fundamentals that will help us as we are self-disciplined and well-trained to overcome these storms of adversity instilling within our hearts this idea that we can win. We are more than conquerors. Can you see where Paul got his positive attitude from? Where he got his winning spirit from? You've got a good coach, beloved. When you've got a good captain on your team, a good coach, someone who knows how to, to win, one who is victorious, he is able to have that same spirit of winning become yours through the power of transmission. It just seems like you hang around someone like that, you become just like him. And Paul hung around Jesus long enough until he starts saying things like this. What's come against you in life? It doesn't matter if God before you, who could be against you? Nay, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. I mean, he sounds like Jesus. Jesus saying, all things are possible to you that believe. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you'll receive. Speak to that mountain. Is it in your way? Tell it to go. Does that tree bother you? Uproot it. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, you can do it. That's what he's really saying. And finally, his disciples got a hold of it. Paul the apostle got a hold of it. He became just like Jesus, telling everybody else, wait a minute. Is it life? Is it death? Principality? Power? Things present? Things to come? Whatever it is. Demons? It doesn't matter what it is. Listen. 
you in all those things are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And what I would like to do is to share some things with you that will help all of us understand what it means to be a champion. So we can call these the characteristics of a champion. In the book of Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read once again from the Amplified Bible, verse 17. Here's the first characteristic of becoming a champion in life's game. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, we read this. Again, from the lips of the Apostle Paul, as he is anointed by the Spirit of God. And notice this, also maintaining that winning spirit, that winning attitude. It seemed like in his life, although he faced all kinds of opposition, he still had this winning spirit about him because of his self-discipline and well-training. No matter what he faced in life, you don't ever hear about Paul murmuring and complaining. All the times he was beaten, all the, the, the opposition that he faced, all the tragedies anyone else would, would call in life, Paul the Apostle rose up victorious because of his winning spirit. It seemed like when he was the underdog, his back was against the wall, and there was no way he was able to win in the game of life. He always emerged as victorious. Why? He maintained the winning spirit. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17... For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through, through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace or unmerited favor and the, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through one, the one, Jesus Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, the first character of a champion in life is someone who hooks up with and stays hooked up to Jesus. Someone who hooks up to Jesus. And someone who stays hooked up to Jesus. Why? Notice it said here in that verse. Through Jesus Christ, we reign as kings in the realm of life. Not by ourselves. But through Jesus Christ, we reign as kings in the realm of life. So a person who is going to be a champion, to be successful, hook up with somebody who is a success. To be an overcomer, hook up with someone who overcomes, who has been an overcomer. So the first step is to hook up with Jesus. You see, beloved, because life involves a whole lot more than just fame, fortune, and prestige. It doesn't matter how famous you are, it means nothing in eternity. It doesn't matter how much of a fortune you amass in this realm of life. It means nothing on the other side. It doesn't matter how prestigious you are in this life. It means nothing on the other side. Life involves a whole lot more than just experiencing the best that this world has to offer. Whether it's the best in riches or education or in living or whatever in this realm of life, that's not all of what life is about. 
Jesus was the only qualified true champion in life because Jesus is the one who emerged as the one who was victorious over sin, over self-will, over sickness, over disease, over poverty, over death, over hell, over the grave. No matter what it was, Jesus conquered. He conquered this world system and beyond that. And He is the only one ever to achieve such greatness. Therefore, beloved, if you look at life's big picture, then you'll recognize that to be successful involves a whole lot more than just having a good job to provide a good living for myself here upon this earth or experiencing the best that this world has to offer. Because even if you had this world with a fence around it and it was all yours, it's still not going to make you successful in the realm of life. Sickness and disease can come along and destroy you. Family disunity can come along and absolutely knock your socks off. You can be troubled in heart and in spirit and, and all these other things you can encounter in life. And so many out there that are seemingly successful by the world standards are not successful in heart. They're very sad and discontent. So what do you mean by hooking up with Jesus? Especially young people out there get a hold of this. He wants to be more than just your Savior. The thing that concerns me about the church atmosphere is this. We have our young ones growing up and, you know, they're, they're, they're growing up in church. And I hear this so often said that those who grow up in church really don't really, they really don't appreciate all of what they have. And in some cases, it's really true. It really is. Beloved, my concern is that these people would also realize the need to have Jesus more than just Savior, but Lord of all. You see, there is within the, the chamber of every human heart a throne and a cross. We all have it. Young person out there, you have it. doesn't matter how old you are, you have it. What I mean by that is this. If you're seated on the throne of your own heart, maybe you've made Jesus your, your Savior, but you're still seated on the throne of your own heart. You've got your own dreams. You've got your own ambitions and high aspirations. You're going to be what you want to be in life. You set your own goals. You have your own vision. Even though you've sat in church and you've heard gospel message after gospel message, and yes, you've acknowledged Jesus as Savior of your life, but beloved, He's not Lord of all. Jesus has to be on the throne. If not, there's that cross and He's dead to you in all those areas of life. And so many leave a church setting atmosphere and they go off into the world and they don't go back to that spiritual environment much more after that. They've had that experience of religion. They had that experience of maybe being saved. But now when it comes to getting married and an occupation and all these different things, establishing a social unit, you know, now I'm just going to achieve in life what I want to achieve and all that and almost kind of look back at church as being something negative in their lives. Well, you know what? That tells me if you have been saved, you haven't made Jesus Lord of all. Jesus wants your life. He wants the throne in your heart. He wants to sit on the throne of every human life. And beloved, if, if a person hasn't done that, then Jesus is dead, dead to them in all those different areas because they haven't invited Him to come in and take over the rulership of the human heart. But if a person does, if you are out there and you do appreciate your salvation, then open up your heart further and say, Jesus, I don't want to control my life. I don't want to rule my life. What do I know about life? 
That's the beginning of wisdom when you fear God so much that you say, you know what? I am giving my life to you. I am removing myself from being seated upon the throne of my heart. I'm taking myself out of the picture. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come in and be my captain. I'm inviting you to come in and coach me through the game of life. I'm opening up my heart to you. I'm giving you every chamber, opening up every door. And I'm saying, Jesus, you have the right to control. You can set my goals. You can provide the dreams and the visions that I need to have according to your direction. You're the one that won over the world, the devil and the flesh. And therefore, I'm looking to you to, to give me dreams, to set my goals and aspirations. I'm looking to you provide what is necessary for my success. Because I believe you arose victorious you are the champion. You can teach me the fundamentals. And besides all this, beloved, you, do you recognize this? He also knows the strategy of the enemy. Every one of us will face, will face opposition in life. He knows the strategies of the enemy. And when the coach knows the opponent's game plan, how much easier is it for him to do what is necessary to guarantee his team's success? Well, Jesus knows the enemy's game plan. He already overcame it. And what he wants to do is pass on the secrets to you and me. Do you see that? And that's why we've got to hook up with Jesus. If you want to be a success, hook up with Jesus. And see to it that you make him the Lord of your life. Let him give you visions. Let him set your goals and dreams. And if you'll do that, he'll reveal his plan, his game plan to you for your life. So, beloved, if you're out there going and you're planning on going into college, I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But what I'm saying is, don't do it apart from a good coach and captain. Look to your coach, look to your captain and say, Lord, what's the game plan? Let me state this right now because so many are confused when it comes to this. You know, young person out there, it may very well be that your ministry for the Lord would be one of giving. And he may have a job out there for you that he wants you to do so that you can fund the gospel. Did you know that? You know, God needs businessmen. God needs workers. I'm talking about in the business world also, in the, in the secular practical business world that is out there also, because the gospel has to be funded. And there are those that he is going to educate in certain areas, in certain ways. He's going to give them understanding in certain areas. Why? So that they can be well-trained, educated, well-trained, self-disciplined enough, so when he funds, or he, he has an income, an inflow of money into their possession so that they have a, a, a tremendous income, they could channel it back into his kingdom upon this earth and promote his work. Did you know that? I believe that there are those that are out there that he, he wants to educate in that way so that they can be that source for providing what is necessary to promote the work of God upon this earth. What about a fellow by the name of J.C. Penney? He lived on 10% and gave 90 to the work of the Lord. Did you hear that? And was wealthy. I said he lived on 10%, gave 90% to the Lord, and was wealthy. Whew. So, get a hold of the coach. Get a hold of the game plan. Say, what do you want me to do with my life? And you'll save yourself a whole lot of years, should Jesus tarry. I believe that. You'll save yourself a whole lot of confusion also. Hook up with him. Make him Lord of your life. Let him plan out your strategy. Turn with me first to 1 John 2.14. And secondly, what you must have is what I said previously is heart. The second thing that you must have, if you're going to be successful, you've got to hook up first of all with the champion, Jesus, because we all need a coach. But secondly, you've got to hook up 
Secondly, you've got to realize that you need heart. You say, well, why do I have to have heart? Because you're going to face opposition. We're all going to face opposition. I believe that there have been others that God would have to get to that place where he can have a, a, a wonderful flow of income into their lives. But they gave up sort of it. I believe that. They gave up sort of it. They threw in the towel. They quit sort of it because they lacked heart. Well, if God said it's going to be easy, folks, no, it's not. If God said it, it means it's going to be harder than what you think. If God said it, it's going to be opposed. Don't drop out of college. Don't drop out of Bible school just because the going gets tough. The Apostle Paul was told that God had a vision for him and much to accomplish. And you know what, folks? Here's what happened. Everywhere he went, someone stirred up by the devil, opposed him every inch of the way. If he would have given up, if he did not have what it took, if he didn't have a heart, what it takes on the inside, he would have given up, thrown in the towel, and God's program would have been delayed for a long period of time like it was with Moses. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. I'm going to stop it right there. What's he mean strong? It means that young men have heart. That's what it means. They have heart, the strength of heart. In other words, they have a winning desire. They have fiery enthusiasm. They have that flowing adrenaline on the inside of them that says, I will not quit. I will not throw in the towel. I will not give up. I will do what it takes to pursue victory and achieve it in life. I'm writing to you, young men, he's saying, because you're strong. You've got heart. It takes heart, beloved. It takes an unquenchable zeal, beloved. Recognize that you're in a fight and you have opposing forces out there that want to prevent your success. But thank God you've got a captain of your salvation. You've got a coach who's got a perfect game plan for your life. And even though in those hard places and they're going to come because the storms come, because you have the fundamentals, because you have the self-discipline, because you have been well-trained, you are well-fortified and able to go out there and stand against all the opposition That fiery enthusiasm will rise up inside you. The desire to win will take over. That winning spirit will just be the edge that you need to take you all the way in the victory. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. And that's what he's saying here about these young men. Did you know that Edison in his time was called a tinkering fool? Did did you know that? Did you know that Henry Ford was called an impractical mechanic? And Columbus was an absolute lunatic for pursuing the idea that the earth was round. You know what they had? H-E-A-R-T. Heart. They had heart. They had heart. They were the underdogs, but it didn't matter to them. They were going to be successful. Because when someone says, you can't do it, Columbus, he says, watch me. When someone says, look, Edison, you're a tinkering fool, it doesn't matter. He says, watch me. Something on the inside feeds on that. When the devil tells you, you can't make it, you should feed on that. You tell me I can't, thank God you're a liar, I know I can. And that fiery enthusiasm will rise up in your inward parts that will usher you into success. 
Now, in close connection with that is this. And it, it, turn with me quickly to Philippians chapter 3. Closely connected with heart, and, and this is a part of it, is you must have and maintain a dauntless spirit. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul speaking in verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You'll see closely connected with heart is this dauntless spirit that one maintains in order to be successful. And what that means is that that person is not easily intimidated. It means that person is not going to be easily discouraged. He maintains a dauntless spirit, that, that, that winning edge, that spirit winning edge. He is not going to give in or cave in under all the opposition. He has a dauntless spirit. He refuses to become discouraged. He refuses to be intimidated by his peers or by anyone else. Those around you may think you're crazy for, for setting your goal to achieve that endeavor. Whatever it is, to set out to achieve whatever goal it is. They may think you're crazy because you're serving Christ. You may go off into college from high school. Right now, maybe you're stalwart as a Christian. But you get out there in that, in that college setting and the whole atmosphere changes. What's going to keep you? What's going to protect you from caving in under all the evil influences that are out there? You've got a dauntless spirit. You're not intimidated by those that say, come on, let's go off and, and, and get drunk tonight. Come on, let's go off and, 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 and you know, let's do some dope tonight. Whatever. You're not going to give in to that. You're not going to watch all that you live for fall by the wayside because of some heathen who doesn't know God, who doesn't want to serve God, who chooses to live his life for self, you're not going to cave into that. You've got a dauntless spirit. That's why. You're not going to be intimidated by that, not by their peer pressure or anything else. You're going to be like that Columbus. You're going to be like these others that said, no, I'm going to pursue it to the end. I'm not getting off track just for you because I've met you or because of this environment. I refuse to do it. I'm not throwing in the towel. Now, look, you may have to rise up above many obstacles. Some of you might be sitting out there, but you don't know, saying to me, you don't know, brother, what I had to go through through life. Look, there are those that has it, have it worse off. I mean, there are those that have risen above all kind of misfortune and applied themselves to overcome all kinds of obstacles and mountains of opposition to achieve greatness in life. Did you know that? They did. There were those that, when they were born at a young age, their parents both died, killed. There were those that, in a situation here I'm thinking of right now, where that child went to be reared up, raised up, reared up by a, an aunt. She died. And that person had all the odds against them. That person had, was an under, considered to be an underdog when it comes to winning the game of life. But you know what? That person rose up above all the misfortune. That person rose up above all the opposition. That person blasted his way through the mountains and went off to be a success in life. And beloved, if that person can do it, you can do it also. It doesn't matter what it is that, that you've encountered in life. If you've got a dauntless spirit, even if, if you have, have alcoholic parents, maybe they weren't a good role model for you. Maybe uh, there was a divorce and, and, and tragedy and all that. And we realize that it affects a person's life. But you know what? I'm telling you there's a solution to your problem. There's an answer to your question. I'm telling you that Jesus wants to be the captain of your life. And Paul's saying here sometimes what you've got to do is forget that which is, which is behind you and put your past in your past and say, you know what? There's a future to live for and rise up above all the adversity. Even though you're that underdog, get a hold of the momentum. Let that fire enthusiasm just 
burn on the inside of you and that unquenchable zeal. And you're going to be successful in the realm of life because you're hooked up with Jesus Christ, who is more than a conqueror over all of the world. And you, through your faith, will be one also. So rise up above it, no matter what the opposition, no matter what the misfortune was in your life. And, and, and I'll tell you what, very quickly to save time, you will notice in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 and 9. You will notice in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15. You will notice that, that when, when they were in a time of adversity and trouble and it seemed like that, that they were going to cave in, they were going to be defeated and wiped off the face of the earth. Notice. God spoke to the prophet and said, tell the people not to lose heart, become discouraged, to maintain a dauntless spirit, that they're not going to be intimidated by the enemy. And they went off to victory. You will notice that when God talked to Joshua, in Joshua 1, he said, I'm telling you to be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. That means maintain heart. That means have a dauntless spirit. Don't be intimidated by, by those that are around. Don't be intimidated by the enemy. Don't be intimidated by anything. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't cave in under the pressure of circumstances or the opposition that you face, the adversity that you, that you face in life, the mountains that will come, you know, stand in your way to, and prevent you from experiencing victory. He said, maintain a dauntless spirit. He told them that three times. Three times he told them that same thing. Didn't I tell you to be of good courage and be strong? But be strong, Joshua, and of good courage. And then in verse 9, be strong, Joshua, and be of good courage. Maintain a dauntless spirit. Don't be intimidated by the enemy. Don't throw in the towel. When everything spells defeat and you want to cave in, don't throw in the towel. And closely connected with that also, that, that, that heart that you must have is vision. Martin Luther was one who had a, a vision of pure religion that was based on reality and not on religion and or or on good works, or sacraments, or anything like that. He was someone who was different. He kind of made a break from what was the norm of the day because of the vision that he had on the inside. God works that way, beloved, within the human heart. And as a result of, of not giving in, not caving in, that vision that he had, he saw it through clear to the end and was responsible for a spiritual reformation that touched the hearts and lives of countless thousands of people throughout the centuries. You know that as well as I do. But you know what? It took everything within him to stand for what he believed in. And you know what, beloved? I believe as a result we stand here today saying the just live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And I'm not going to be intimidated by anything or anyone that would oppose vision. And in conclusion, number three. In order to have victory, to be a champion, the third characteristic of a champion is this. You've got to have faith. You must have faith. John 15, 5 and John 15, 7. John's Gospel, John 15, 5 and John 15, 7. Jesus said, who is our captain, who is our champion, the one who overcame the world, says this. Our faith is not to be in ourselves, our own abilities, our own talents. Our faith is to be in Him. In John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We must... Understand that we are champions 
because we are hooked up with the champion, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it doesn't matter how successful you end up being in this sphere of life. If all your success is apart from the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it is to no avail. And in God's sight, you're not a champion at all. But if all that you achieve in life, all that you experience of life, all that you have in life is the result of close association with and being hooked up to the Lord Jesus Christ as a branch in the vine, then, beloved, you are successful and you are a champion in the sight of God Almighty through Jesus Christ. You are a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. And all that He has brought to you in life by way of possession or material things or anything else is the direct result of your service for God. And you're being hooked up with the champion. And it's because your heart is right, your motives are right, your attitude is right, your spirit is right. And as a result... You'll be successful. You'll be the champion. And He gives you the key right there to a strong life of faith. In verse 7, If you abide in Me, My words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So in other words, we also must maintain a robust faith. Why? Are you ready for this? Because 1 John 5, 4 says, He that is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world that makes you the champion, even your Faith. Why? Because Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I overcame it already. You overcome the world by your faith. You just believe. You be I did the work. You believe. And then by your faith, you overcome the world. What enables you to overcome the world? Be hooked up with the champion. Have heart and faith. Have faith. You say it can't be done? Jesus told the man whose son was demon-possessed, Sir, all things are possible to him that believeth. You say, I, I, I don't know if I have what it's going to take. I'm glad you said that. I want to close with this scripture right here. This is my last point, last scripture. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Those of you that are out there young, it doesn't matter what age you are. God's word applies to every age, every individual. It, it wouldn't matter to me if you're 80 years old right now and, and you just get saved and you want to have an evangelistic association. I believe God will use you for the next 40 years to your 120. <clears throat> In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, this is why it takes faith, beloved. Because, I, like I said, you've got to have a bigger and broader view of life than just fame, fortune, and prestige. You've got to recognize that, that it's got to usher you into eternity. And I'll tell you something right now. There's only one that I know who is able to stand before the throne of God where the Father sits and someone declared that He's worthy. And what's His name? Jesus. Jesus. And if you're found in Him, I'll tell you what, you're seated right there with Him. Praise God. You ready for it? <clears throat> you have to maintain a robust faith in God. In Isaiah 41.10, if you have feel a fear of failure in your life, or maybe you do sense some discouragement settling in, Maybe you're, you're saying, I don't have that dauntless spirit, but you know I should. Or maybe you've kind of lost that desire to win. And, 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 and maybe your, your, your enthusiasm is not fired up and it's not burning. Maybe you don't really sense that, that flow of adrenaline and you don't have that winning spirit. Well, you know what? You're going to get it when you read this scripture. If you have any fear of failure, if you have any discouragement of heart whatsoever, here's what he says. In verse 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. 
I want you to know he graduated with you today, graduates. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. So don't fear. Don't have to have any fear. It's a reason why not to fear because God Almighty is with you. Believe in that. He believes in you and believe that He is with you and you will not fear. Number two, you don't have to be discouraged. Why? Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't become discouraged through sudden loss or fear or great perplexity. Don't fear and become dismayed or discouraged or disheartened. Don't lose heart. He tells why. Because he said, I am with thee. And secondly, I am your God. Have faith in your God. Your God made the heavens. Your God made the earth. Your God made the sea and everything that creeps upon the earth, in the sea, in the area, fall of the earth. Your God made everything and nothing is too difficult for your God. And he says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And therefore, I am your God. So have faith in your God and you won't become disheartened. I mean, think about it. How can you be discouraged and disheartened if you know that God is with you, for you and in you? Didn't Paul say, see, once again, that, that faith fanatic Paul. What did he say? That positive faith fanatic Paul. What did he say? If God be for you, who could be against you? That's what he said. That's how he responds to someone who, is, someone who is discouraged or disheartened. If God is for you, who could be against you? Now, look, look at what he said. He gives us other reasons. He says, look, don't fear I'm your God or I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. Now, notice what he says he will do. If you lack strength, he says, I will strengthen you. And what did Paul the Apostle say? This is what he said. This is why you got to have faith. You ready for I love this. In the Amplified Bible of Philippians 4.13, it says this. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me or who imparts to my spirit the strength or the energy that I need to be equal to any task I face in life. And he just said right there, I'll strengthen you. What task are you facing in life? He says, look, I'll strengthen you. Through Christ. Paul didn't have faith in himself. Paul had faith in Christ. He said, look, I can do all things to Christ. See, you hook up with someone like that, you get a winning spirit. You hook up with Apostle Paul, you get a winning attitude. That momentum comes upon you. The fires begin to burn of enthusiasm on the inside of you. The adrenaline begins to flow. That desire to win once again surfaces and gives you that edge to put you over in life. You're hooked up with a champion who cannot fail. So, so, so what? So you lack strength? No problem. I'll impart to you the energy, the strength, the sufficiency. Your sufficiency is His. He is your sufficiency. It's Him. What you need to be successful and and meet any task in life. Number two, what does He say He'll do? I will help thee. He is your God. See, believe that your God will help you. You don't know, Lord, I've got to do that. I'll help you, He says. Man, God is saying, I will help you. What's help me? It means to aid, to assist, to supply what is needed to accomplish an end. And another part of that... That definition of the word help means he'll make an advance towards you to aid you, to assist you, and to supply what is necessary for you to accomplish an end. Oh, you can't make your marriage work, huh? Oh, you can't get successful in your finances, huh? Oh, you can't just seem to get that healing. Whatever it is that you need to be successful, he'll supply you with what is necessary to accomplish your end. He'll aid you. He'll assist you. He will make an advance towards you with the idea of providing what is necessary to help you, to assist you. That's what he said he'll do. I like that, don't you? And then the last one, he says what? I will uphold you... With the right hand of my righteousness. Do you, do you know, anytime God ever used the right hand of His righteousness, you better look out. Did you ever see what He did with the right hand of His righteousness in the Bible? Whew! I mean to tell you, 
You know, one time they just rose up against the people of God. All he did was just raise up his right hand of righteousness and open up the earth. Swallow them all up. There's power in God's right hand. I mean, there's power in God's right hand. No matter, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't close this without... Real quick, I just want to give you this scripture. This is the book of Exodus. Take this with you, beloved. Take it to college with you. Well, anywhere you're going, take this with you. I'll read it real quick. We've only got a couple of minutes here. Listen. God says to uphold you with the right hand of His righteousness. In verse 6 of Exodus 15. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood up right as in heat. And the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy, the enemy said, I'll pursue, I'll overtake, I'll divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy. Is the devil telling you that? Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who's like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious and holy, fearful and praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and the earth swallowed them. When God moves His right hand to uphold you, the enemy is dashed into pieces. That's what He's saying there. Is there opposition? I'll uphold you with my right hand. Let's all stand before the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith, and experience. God bless.